You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I am one of your humble hosts, Jason Wheeler. And I'm the not-so-humble host, Roger Gaddis. Today, we are finally back in the office. It's a beautiful, uh, sunshiny day in Kansas City, which I'm told doesn't exist anymore because no one can plant anything, except for the people who have planted where they can't get any rains. Markets need to go up is the bottom line. Is that correct? There's only one way to cover your bottom line. So hopefully I I wish you a merry 2022 rally season and I hope it lasts all year long. And, uh, you know, but, but today we wanted to get Roger on the record for what, what is the high in where is the high Roger's going to fill us in. Yeah, that's that's I, the point. Obviously, that's most of what we do on the show, right? Well, as of this recording, we have hit the high. Oh, boy. The high is in as of this recording. <laughs> there could be more highs later. Right. Well, sure. There's always tomorrow. But As of now, we've hit the high. But we can, yeah, look at the history. It's easy to do. Point. You just look backwards and say, there it is. Yeah. It's up today. So we're probably there. Unless it's not as up as it was down. And as always, we have no idea when this thing will be released from the time it's recorded. (laughs) Of course. Uh, So we can't be wrong. So uh, I just hope it's 2022 because I did uh, did release, you know, make it not evergreen in that sense. So we got a a, uh, one of our very few original uh, actual sponsors for this show. Didn't we, Roger, this this last week? I I don't know if it's a... I think it's more of like a pity gift or a payoff to quit doing the thing. Now that I think more about it, we had two boxes of Pringles show up at the office addressed to the elevator's cut signed Twitter. So thank you, Twitter for the Pringles. We really appreciate it. So probably whoever says, if you don't follow us on Twitter, that Pringles fueled our last few episodes for some reason. It was weird. So people who followed us on Twitter probably don't even listen to this show, but they saw it, thought it was funny and sent us. The the Pringle thing comes from uh, a convert, a DM convert. I think it was a DM conversation from one of our, our, probably our only listener (laughs) in the UK, Captain Dan over there. And uh, we got to talking about um, how popular Pringles are. And uh, from then to the next time Jason and I went uh, shopping for office snacks, we uh, loaded up on some on some Pringles and just destroyed them in no time. Yeah. So I don't know if this box of two two cases worth of Pringles is a challenge or what, but uh, so far we've killed a few cans in just a few days. And we've also constructed, you know, pyramids and grain elevator. Yeah. You know, we'll see what the rest of the day brings, but these things... Anyway, imagination but, is boundless but shout out to the captain and uh over there across the pond we we appreciate uh you know your your support your interactions all of you 
on Twitter. That he says it is not from him. It's uh, so the mystery no, still stands. I don't say it's yeah. from him, but we we appreciate his interaction. Just oh, absolutely. So, uh, and and everybody who interacts with us on Twitter, and we have plans to to get uh, Dan on the on the show sometime to to uh, give us some cross cultural insight into the grain biz from across and the pond. types of uh, Pringles. Yes, holy smokes, unreal prawn cocktail. I can't wait to get the inside scoop on that. Yeah. Anyways, so enough of preamble uh, for the show. Let's get into the meat of it today. We wanted to talk spreads today. Right, Roger? They're big. They're backwards. And they're they're great. In your face. (laughs) There was uh, some pretty good banter just this week on Ag Twitter about um you know the surprisingly record seeming levels of basis for beans in St. Louis I think is where this all stemmed from and and uh you know yeah in a nominal sense or if you dwell in the spot market it seems kind of crazy high but if you look at spreads and the inversions it's like okay this is as good as I could have sold last month right right yes <laughs> yeah so to break that down we we look at it and we kind of chuckle as basis traders, merchandisers, because because of it's really you know simple math stuff. But but how we look at it is when you're when you're price neutral. Obviously, to a to a farmer, this stuff is is uh, gets wild stuff because you're trading a cash price, and and that's that's you know normal in your business and everything. But to a to a merchandiser who's only in the basis world, stays hedged all the time doesn't have the price risk, the the spreads are just a way to adjust your basis to a different month. For instance, so the reason I say that, like July SEP right now, last I looked was about 50 cents inverted to the corn, July SEP corn. So if somebody's bidding 20 over July and then they move their bid to September and they're 70 over the SEP, you one basis. Their bid has their bid hasn't changed, right? Twenty over. September. Don't you know math? Yes, I do, and that's just my point. So, anyways, buyers <laughs> will use this sort of stuff to, um, to 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 make their basis look good. An absolute value of the basis looks good, and a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll move the bid out um, and and lower their bid, but it looks better, right? 20 over to 70 over is the same number in that scenario, but maybe they go from 20 over to 60 over. They actually drop their bid 10 cents, you know? So uh, we see this sort of thing happen. And and I'm not saying they move it out early. Some do. Some move it out super early. Some just, you know, you roll your position forward and maybe you bid against a July all the way up to the end of June. And then you go to September like you normally would. And immediately that number looks huge and everybody starts freaking out because like, oh my gosh, you know, ABCD grain company jumped their bid a whole bunch. Well, these inverses, they, they make stuff look silly. And, uh, and then at least to the point of, of people saying, well, basis, who knows a basis? There's no cap on basis that will go forever. (laughs) I've seen $3 over basis before and stuff. And, but really from a, from a, you got to just take a, a little step back, have a little perspective. Were you going to say macro perspective? I almost did, but I would never do such a thing. But anyways, <laughs> if you did, if you did, um, if you take a step back, you you can see like it, it does all work. Um, 
basis isn't going crazy to the upside, usually in an inverted market. Basis Never. Is, <laughs> is on its way down. It's but like, you know, Jason, there's a subset of people out there in our industry that wants the producer to be an elevator, trade like the elevators do. How does this jive with that? Well, I think one way they could do it is build an elevator out of Pringles cans, and then they could, you know, that's trade step like one. Elevator. Yeah. Step two, win basis. Step three, profit. Yeah, it's easy. Easy. So this is the big, big disparity that comes between this idea, because obviously to trade like an elevator, you have to buy basis before you can sell the basis. And as a producer, you don't. And that's fine. That's, that's, that's the way the system works. And, you know, so when you get into these kind of markets, that difference of perspective becomes very apparent. And, and it should, you know, as a producer, a cash price seller, yeah, go sell a great cash price. If basis looks high and the futures look high, then sell the snot out of it. That's great. But to say I'm trading like an elevator in these kind of markets, those two things don't jive at all. They don't make any sense. And, and they're not supposed to. Well, so a little pushback on that point or a counterpoint is guys that do HTAs, right? So they've set their futures and now they are it just it, the futures are set. It's whatever basis I end up setting. I need it the highest possible. Right. And uh, what, what happens in years like this it's is guys set their HTAs at $5 and then they see now corn's seven or $8. And they're like, I get that back. I'll get it back in the basis. Well, well, and it's just like, so they think like it was like the 20 over 70 over thing. Well, I'll sell 70 over. And I don't know. Well, you're going to have to, your HTA will have to be rolled to that futures month and lose that 50 cents and then get it back in the 70 or basis. If it's still 70 over, it's probably 60 over, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so there's no way to like outthink the basis or, or the spreads and out trade the commercial you're dealing with that only trades bases and spreads all the time is every day talking to buyers uh, about their basis and, and managing their spread position, you know? Yeah. Here's a hint producers. If the market's inverted, don't do HTAs. Yeah. If the market's inverted, <laughs> it, chances are the prices are pretty strong. <laughs> also don't build bins. Yeah. Inverted markets are not signaling build space. No, 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 no. hang on. <laughs> now, this is a rainy no, day. No, no, no. We're, we're talking about if the farmer wants to be an elevator. <laughs> so this is a rainy day philosophy. If I'm making good money, you know, now's the time. Obviously, I can't pay taxes. So <laughs> I have to, you know, reinvest into the business. You, sh you should reinvest into your business and everything and all that. So uh, you know, you build bins, but don't fill numbers. them up. How about that? Yeah. Perfect. That should have been more specific. Build bins, but don't use them. Yeah. And then hope there's no wind storms because <laughs> empty bins. You got to put uh, more wind rings on those things. That's, yeah, that's the secret. Okay. Um, so, I, you know, on this topic of, and it's not, we're, you know, getting, getting in the weeds here, but it's not the producer seeing the thing. It's, it's some of these, some of the, the folks in our industry that, Again, you come across stuff and you just assume people know certain things or view it the same way you do. And that's patently wrong as a human. You shouldn't believe that, but we do. 
But there was a couple of the guys, you know, we follow on like Twitter that <laughs> you pointed out this morning had some good tweets this week about uh, just to the point of how that St. specifically the St. Louis bean basis is apparently going higher as that May July bean spreads getting wider. It's a uh, uh, Matt on here said nearby cord basis delivered to an Iowa processor is like 230 over the SEP 24. <laughs> Pretty strong stuff. <laughs> Point being, pick a futures month wherever, however far out you want, and make the bid versus that if you really want that number to look high. It doesn't matter. What it is is what, what it should yeah. be versus the nearby. That's that's the point. Yeah. So and this is nothing new. I'm pretty sure we've talked about we've probably recorded we an have, entire episode on this you, before. You've either not listened to it or you know both or right? slept. Yes. Then. So no big deal. Always good to to hash it out again. So the <clears throat> yeah, so, so as the market continues to um I guess be volatile and high and inverted and all that stuff. It's, it's, um, it's a good opportunity for those who, uh, so switching back to like the elevator side of things is if your policies allow you to move grain early, uh, it can be really good. I was talking to a guy this last week uh, in Illinois co-op and they don't offer anything but storage. Uh, So he's got, I don't know, a little, it's not a lot, but it's, um, it's a little chunk of beans that a guy has on storage and he is just dug in and he's gotten what he needs and he doesn't need to sell it. And he's, he's just going to ride this thing out. And that's his thing. He's just going to see how high it'll go. God bless him. Hopefully it goes to $25. I, I no idea, but, um, I saying that I know that some people died inside <laughs> elevators paying margin calls right now died when I said that so <laughs> for your sake, I hope, you know, it chills out, but I don't know. Anyways, his deal is, you know, he's going to wait. Well, this elevator one, it's, it's like 5,000 less bushel of beans. It's not much. He'd love to get that bin emptied out. He can't just get it cleaned out. He can't because it's storage. And he, he's looking at this big inverse really strong basis anybody you know that that'll that can buy beans wants those beans and he can't do anything about it and i said man so the reason i say all that if you have a policy of i'm storage only and and no way to convert out of storage into some sort of deferred pricing where you can ship the bushels um that's really in this market. It, we look out, look out in the future. I mean, next year there's no carry. I don't know if it'll change. I mean, I hope it does, but it's probably not going to be big carries and it probably won't be the whole year. There's going to be inversions on the back end just because the supply and demand we've had too many years in a row kind of. Yeah. So now is the time to really look at your policies and make sure you're able to capitalize on what you should be able to capitalize on. Farmers don't do HTAs in inverted markets. Elevators don't offer storage in inverted markets. Yeah. Easy. The, Simple, maybe. Yes. This is a better word. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know, I know, you know, farmer customers don't love it when you change policies, even if it's something that benefits them. They, you know, oh, or that well, they don't even something. use. Yeah, you're changing something. <laughs> Why are you doing this? How is this taking advantage of me? You know. <laughs> Uh, and it's, this is the little Danny Brown thing. He's like, I'm not 
taking advantage of the farmer. I'm taking advantage of the opportunity that the farmer gives me. Yeah. Well, and the truth is, and I had this talk with, um, you know, co-op board. I said, we can either, we talked about the margins you can get as an elevator from buying grain at harvest and getting basis improvement. Uh, and, and carries if they're there or whatever versus what you can charge, what the market will allow based on competition in your area or whatever uh, to, in fees for guys who won't sell it to you. And it, it pales in comparison to what you can make if they just bought to you. But the, the other thing is the elevator in, in the scenario where you're charged, maybe you charge pretty hefty fees. I don't know. And, and that's how it works in your market, or there's not a ton of basis improvement. So the, fees aren't that much less than what you can make in basis. I don't know. But the difference is when you are, when your margins are made from fees versus basis trading, the only way you make money is to take it straight from the farmer. You just literally, the farmer writes you a check to keep you in business. And that's not an that's that's not the the way it's supposed to be set up. You should be able, the farmer should be able to that's called condo storage, right? Deal with a deal with a, an elevator buyer that's a competitive, good market for them that they can sell to, and you and you write the farmer a check for his grain that's a competitive, fair bid, and you go on, and then you make your money by being a being a good grain merchandiser, and uh, so then you're generating your revenues from outside the farmer's pocket, and you know that, that's kind of the case I make, especially to co-op boards, it's like you know, do you guys want to just, because it's like, oh, storage, you know, we should just do storage all the time. Well, you know, one, a few of the big BTOs, as they say, can monopolize your storage space. <clears throat> the little guys who can't harvest as fast get to the end and they're like, we don't have any space for you. That's, is that fair? And two, is all my margin coming out of the farmer's pocket a, a good way to do this? I say no. No, I agree. And you know, there's something to be said for, you know, if, if, if you know, going back to your example on, on the co-op board, if, if the, say the producers on that board don't have a good handle on their own costs on the farm and what they need to have, do you think they have a good handle on the cost that the elevator has and what kind of margin it needs to generate? And I, I don't think it's a, it's a, you know, a conspiracy type thing. I think it's just, I don't, we, there's not talked about, we don't know. We don't, the, the three years that I was, the manage the co-op and the board, I, you know, I don't think that topic was brought up at all as what, what's the cost per bushel or ask what's the cost per bushel to keep this place running or stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was other, other things was always on the agenda, but not that. And so I think it's just a matter of not understanding what it takes to run the business and how you need to generate that income to, to, to cover those costs. It's just take some explanation and communication. I know we're pointing out on co-ops here, but the same applies to, to private companies if they get multiple partners or whatever, you know, because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of our customers have, you know, farms attached to the elevator. And same thing goes. If you don't know one, you probably don't know the other. So then it makes it real hard to to plan and know when to to set targets and, and where to get in and get out and all the, that kind of stuff. It all flows together. But yeah, you know, there return to, to to land and return to bin space should be, in my opinion, two separate things. Mm -hmm. And harvest is the dividing line. When that grain moves from the land into a bin, that's, that's the transition. That's when it changes.
yeah agree completely and storage is a mechanism that just delays the inevitable and is is a cost is a, is a continued cost regardless if it's made up for or not it's just the idea that it's a cost and that it's um you know and sometimes it might be justified but overall it's it's a it's a cost that if, it, if the base if the storage fees are cheap it's sending a, the i think the wrong signal to producers what to do with that grain it's kind of like a think about if you have late library books and they charge you a fee it's probably a minimal fee it's just kind of a you know here's a couple of bucks you know whatever i don't care if it's being late because it's only a few bucks think about a fee if you miss a credit card payment that's a pretty hefty fee usually so you really try to avoid those. The same thing with with what these rates are set at. The higher they are, the more you know people try to avoid it or not do it all together. The lower they are, it's like I don't care. Right. It's like like beans. I think this you know it's let's say three cents a month or something to get you know the guy that has his beans there and he just wants to ride it out. Three cents a month. Look, beans are up twenty cents today. Like. What a three cents and for a month. Okay. I mean, right. That, that I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. That's the library fee. It was, Oh, a nickel. Cause I didn't have it here for a month. Okay. You know, it's not that big a deal. I've seen more instances in my career at the elevator where <laughs> this is usually a landlord thing more than the farmers, but there was more concern over if they had a 10 day grace period to decide what to do with that grain, sell it, store it, whatever. On that ninth day, there was more agony and agonizing over what to do with this grain before it got into where you're charged 10 days of storage than it was in any pre-planning ahead of time on what to do with this stuff. It just, it blew my mind. You know, we're talking such little amounts here, but it just loomed large. Oh, if I get this thing, it's going to be terrible. And it's, it's like, what is life? <laughs> well, and it's, it's funny. Um, I know elevators, I don't think think of it like this but what are you incentivizing your customers to do because absolutely when you're doing charges and all this stuff it's an incentive structure really that people are going to respond to and so if if you're like hey i'm the cheapest storage in town that communicates to them this guy really wants me to do storage he's really got to push on storage and man you know i was gonna sell but you know i could wait a little while and he you know maybe this will help him out i'll do a little storage well, it doesn't help me out at all. What are we talking about? You know, uh, but that's what you've incentivized. It's very much that way. Or, or places that allow 30, 45 days to figure out what you want to do with the delivered grain mm-hmm. before you have to make a decision, which is just mind boggling to me. But yeah, we've said that before on this podcast many times, but bear saying again, if you're going to put deadlines on stuff, make it make sense basis wise, because we know that it will be done right on around that day. the deadline 95% of the time uh, the bushels are going to be done that day uh so so do it and and do it in the sense of like you say well you're just kind of manipulating things so the farmer prices at the at the at the worst basis you know and said you got all this time to price it doesn't have to wait till the last day well that's just it so i talked to a guy and he's like you know i got July 31st, it has to be done by July 31st. Well, we know base is probably be pretty strong. You know, that, mm-hmm. that'll be at the end of the season, the summer when the grain's not here yet. So I said, well, um, what if we moved it to like October 1st? Because these guys, it would give them more time. They can, 
anyway, and as a, you know, and, and obviously basis will be down around harvest time. And if they want to keep going, then they're on the new, whatever the new harvest program is mm-hmm. at that time, if there's a minimum or a monthly or yeah. whatever, um, they would just restart if they want, if they don't price it out. Um, and what, but what it does is, oh, well, now you're manipulating the farmer. No, no, no. The farmer can still price on July 31st. Exactly. That, that never has changed. not changed. He can price any and every day until then. We just give him extra time now and he can he can take advantage of it or not. Yep. You know, um, that's exactly right. And, you know, we see stuff like this, too, with, with basis contracts that they get offered. Guys will say, well, when when does it have to be priced? Well, by roll day. Well, so what happens if you can't get a hold of the farmer? 12 central on roll day to get your order in before the mark for rolls off the, you know, yeah. Why don't you make it like the 25th of the month or whatever it is? Give yourself some time. That way, if you get it hedged, you can at least have some breathing room to say, okay, do I want to turn around and get this sold? Do I need, can I, is there carrying a market where I can roll it on out? Don't wait till the very last minute to where if there's a communication error that you're up against the wall and getting this stuff set. Mm-hmm. you know so just just a two days one day before whatever just don't make it the very last day you know there's little nuances to stuff just because yeah. other companies do certain things doesn't mean you have to as well you can they're your policies change them fit them however it works for both parties yeah, yeah. Ooh, we kind of went mm-hmm. over a little bit of everything here yeah that's good so you know and what roger's talking about on costs we all know with the environment, and I had to promise Roger I wasn't going to talk about politics uh, before. Thank you. The- <laughs> I can't. But um, the environment we're in, everything's costing a little more, right? Including, you know, your labor and and I mean everything. So make sure your <clears throat> margins are where they should be. You know, you run into these guys like, all right, you know, my back to back margin, which is of course when we say that we mean. Today, if I'm buying it for five dollars and can sell it for five ten, I've got a ten cent back to back margin. Fob my elevator and all that stuff. So the guys are operating off ten cent back to back margins, and it's like, well, you know, it's competitive and and all this stuff, and that's just kind of what my market is, and it doesn't ever change, even though we're dealing with skyrocketing costs. The cost of the inputs themselves are going up and all that and it's it's something that bears looking at i'm not i'm not saying it has to be drastic maybe it should be uh but it's it's probably time to to have an honest conversation about where where your margins should be as as far as when you're bidding in general i think we've all but wrapped up our regional meetings this year got one more next week i think and then we'll be done for all the regions throughout the u.s and and canada and It sounds like to this point, and it's mainly a cushion due to this, to to inflation of cost. Freight, what's freight going to cost me? Right. Let alone, uh, you know, next month, let alone at harvest time this fall. 15, 20 cents lower by basis across the board. Corns, bean, wheat. For sure, soft wheat. I'm not sure on a hard wheat country. I haven't talked to those folks out there, but soft wheat country, corn and bean country. 15 to 20 cents lower than a normal buy basis for harvest is what a lot of people are showing right now. And um, even in, now, as we get closer to wheat harvest and in the Southeast will start here in a few weeks, they're, oh, they're, you know, 15, 20 cents below last year, which was 
several dimes below normal, you know, so in places where they were, you know, five years ago bidding even the board, you know, this past year they were 50 under, now they're a, a buck or, you know, more under the board. And it's more of a logistics thing down there because they just don't have places, outlets for this wheat. And it costs so far to ship it way out of state. But um, you got to account for that stuff. I mean, why go through all this work and handling stuff and you come out on the other end and you didn't make anything? That's disheartening. And at, at, at best, uh, and, you know, business ending at, at worst. So spreads aren't there to bail us out. They're not going to be there to bail us out. They might help to some degree, but you're not going to get a lot out of them this year, the way things look. Um the sell basis is going to be what it is for harvest, depending on how big the crop is. But any reason to expect it to be higher than normal, I think, is not warranted at this point. Uh, but your money, the elevator for merchandise is going to come out of the buy basis. And, you know, the good news is even being 20 cents lower on corner beans at harvest, you're still offering a cash price for harvest that is historically probably high ever. You've probably never for sure in corn beans, it could be hit or miss, but you know, you're probably offering a price and wheat for sure. Darn sure. I mean, even if you were $2 under on harvest wheat, soft wheat this year, that's something like $9 a bushel delivered at harvest. It's unheard of. So producers, if you're listening, don't get hung up on the basis this year of all years. Look at the cash price, cash price, cash price, cash price. And um, because basis is probably going to get stanky nasty um before it's all over with uh, for new crop and uh, so anyway you can you could the buyer can own cheap basis the seller can sell historically top end cash prices this is this can be a very good situation if if the parties follow their best course of action put it that way yeah and i think i i think both and this is both the the far, farmer and the elevator feel like the big reason is that grain goes to where it goes is because of what prices we can bid or basis we can bid each day and offer. <clears throat> and I'm not saying it's not, obviously that's a, that's a part of it. Um, but I will say there is a logistic reason why bushels move to where they move. There is an, an obvious reason. And I think a lot of it is, you know, one, um, time at, at harvest time, the grain elevator is providing the biggest service they're providing is ease of getting, getting dumped, getting back to the field. And, you know, it's just an easier spot to, to go. And I think that has a lot of value. And I think while everybody might complain, I know the elevator merchandiser might think, man, if we drop our bid a dime, we're not going to buy any bushels. But the truth is the, majority of the reason bushels come to you is not because, you know, your bid happened to be a dime stronger or weaker. It's because at harvest, I mean, it's because you're taking care of people and your service matters and it's worth something. And not only is it worth something, but it costs so much more to provide. So you have to charge what it costs and what it's worth. You know, you have to get both of those things out of it. So that's um, called margin. Yes. So you have to, you have to, you have to start with a margin in it and, uh, and, and don't be ashamed of it. You shouldn't be, you're, you're helping people and providing a good service and, uh, and well, and you should, if you're not, you should be, you know, and you should be worth it. So, <laughs> um, so do that. Also increase your drying charges this year. 
Yeah. So th this is um, <laughs> everything's a, basis. <laughs> everything's like a multiple or a, per, a percentage of everything. So, um, you know, I talked I talked about the guys that, hey, we've charged 10 cents since we opened in 1982, you know, and that's all we've ever charged. And I was like, all right, well, you know, was the light bill the same? You know, it's, it's not, you know, the, the, what it costs you to, you know, hire help or to, uh, you know, to run the dryer or whatever. All those costs have gone up, but you're still hmm, 10 cents. It's good. Um, or whatever it is. Well, in our storage fees haven't changed. Actually, we cut them last year, you know this sort of thing and it's i don't know it's, it's a weird thing people get proud about that that, that they do but <clears throat> I, I would say the um last year and we've said this on the show for but jeff we've we've had him on he's our he's our banker guy and and he's always surveying our customers on their all their financial stuff but one of them is their their overall cost and he He's done it in a per bushel of space, which I think is a cool way of doing it. So it's not per bushel handled, um, but per bushel of space on average, um, which we work about 250 companies uh, across the continent. Um, anyways, Shadow, buddy. he said, he said the average is around 52 cents. And this was last year. We all know costs have gone up since last year. And half of that is labor. Of half space. Of that 52, so it's 52 cents per bushel of space yeah, not bushel hand so if you handle twice the amount of bushels that go through then that's obviously 26 cents is your total cost per uh, per bushel handled but everybody you know has a different turn turn rate uh on the thing so that that's the way he kind of tried to equalize everything but anyways that's that's a lot of cost per bushel of space and you know are you are you charging what you should? It's it's something to think about. Where are you at? You might at fifty two cents. You might be at thirty five. You might be at sixty two. I, yeah. I don't know where you're at, but you should know. It's just like farm. We you know harp on oh, farmers. They don't even know what it costs. Well, what's your cost per bushel yeah. of space? You know, and, you and, should know. And when Jeff does that, you know, it's a peer to peer, you know, anonymized analysis, and so people get to break it down and look. You know, when they say peers, it really is you know, people that handle the same amount of bushels in the same market region, same size elevator, same number, look, whatever it is, it can be broken down a million different ways. But that's one of the huge benefits that a lot of our customers have found that they can look and kind of see where, you know, what yeah. should I be at? Because it's one thing to know where you're at. It's another thing to know if that's where you should be. Yeah. And like I said, if, if I know labor's gone up quite a bit more than 10%, it seems like in the last year. Um, but if everything's gone up about 10%, which what seems to be inflation ish, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, depending on what you're talking about. But, uh, you know, Hey, that's, that's another nickel. That's another, that's 57 cents per bushel of space. So what is your cost? Where are you at? And how much has it changed recently? And are you keeping up with it with your margin, um, to cover that cost and just, you know, really look through the numbers and make sure you're where you need to be on your bid. Don't like, you know, you talk to people all the time. Hey, what are you, you know, I'm within however many miles of St. Louis. All right. Well, I'm 38 cents less than whatever St. Louis is because that backs off my standard freight and my standard margin. Well, your standard freight isn't so standard anymore nope. and your standard margin probably needs to be bigger, you know? So where's that number at? So, so don't just get into my old flow of oh, I'm 38 cents off of this, or I'm 42 cents off of this buyer or whatever at any given time. Really think through those numbers. It was, it was a funny thing that the whole freight thing, you know, I was talking to some folks about, you know, freight costs going up, obviously. And, and, you know, there was this, you know, 
the room was full of people wondering where, you know, how they're going to get freight for harvest and is it going to be enough? And you know, so it comes down to what, what gets truck drivers to show up at the elevator. It's not your stash of honey buns or free hats. It's how much you're paying per bushel per, per load, you know? So that's, that's where it's going to have to come from. And um, it's, it's a necessity. It's, it's a fact. You can deal with it or you can stick your head in the sand, but it's, it is a fact freight's up and it's going to keep going up. Yeah. And your interest costs are going to be up yeah. because you got, so you can choose to figure out how to merchandise your way through that, or you can, I don't know what the alternative is. Yeah. The, yeah. The commodity price doing what you've always good. done is, is not, you know, with those numbers is not going to suffice this year. Yeah. You know, 1% shrink on $16 beans versus $9 beans is a pretty big difference, you know? So all the little things uh, really get magnified. Thank you, Blink-182. <laughs> there you go. Um, so. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty well wraps it up for today. Yes, sir. So looking forward to, uh, we got a few, uh, a couple maybe, get my term right here, in- interviews in the works coming up. So I'll be looking out for those. And hopefully we've had enough of just Jason and I bantering back and forth. It's time to get some, some new voices in here to actually talk about things that matter yeah. for a change. So be fun. All right. Well, thanks everybody. We'll get you next time. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks, you know, in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.